everyone. This is Marilyn Hughes from the Out of Body Travel Foundation. Here with you for your questions today. We have some questions from people that have sent them in by email, which I always encourage and appreciate. Want to encourage everybody to subscribe to our channel. It keeps us searchable across the web. Also ask that you consider becoming a member that helps us to keep our resources downloadable for free to everyone in the world, everywhere, all the time. And you can find those resources, 105 books that I've written that are available to download for free to anyone in the world at outofbodytravel.org. Vanya Peterson, Patterson. Hi, Marilyn. What do hands mean on the astral and beyond? I have experiences with my hands, such as having them washed with light. <clears throat> well, when you think about hands, remember, for instance, like how the hands of a priest become consecrated. And in the mystical state, when a soul goes through the process of becoming capable of altering reality, the medicine, the light is brought in through the hands. And so when you talk about having your hands washed with light, it makes perfect sense because, <clears throat> I apologize about this, <clears throat> what happens is your hands become the vessel of how eventually You become capable of altering reality. Now you'll see, like in the book that I wrote, Medicine Woman Within a Dream, you'll see that you have balls of light sometimes that are given to you to use, to throw into situations. But also the light comes out of your hands when you are brought into situations to change what is happening in the management realms I write about this a lot in Medicine Woman Within a Dream. You might want to take a look at that book. But what's happening is your hands are becoming anointed. And so that is why the hands are so important. They're becoming living hands of light that become vessels of the work of God in the mystical spheres. And that becomes very, very important. And so Vanya says, thank you. I will look at that book. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Very happy to hear that. Um, let's move on to, <clears throat> we'll see how much my voice holds out for this, huh? Um, we'll turn to this one. Dear Marilyn, here I am writing to you again. Well, it turns out that I experienced the vibrations last night and heard the astral planes. Adriana says, hello, everyone. Hello, Adriana. Then I remembered thinking that I wanted to go to a super cool world, something super cool. Aniel, welcome. Thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. Next thing I remember, I was going fast through a tunnel with colors and then arriving at out, out space to enter another tunnel and arriving again to outer space and then enter another tunnel that took me to a place that for some reason I don't know why I did not like and I was somewhat fearful and told myself, no, I don't want to go there. I really want to go to a nice world. Adriana says, hope your voice can handle another tour. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you understanding my problem, my vocal problem. Then I remember waking up on my bed in the middle of the night. I remember turning on the bed and feeling the vibrations again and thinking, okay, I might go to a nice place. Then it was so natural. It felt natural and ordinary that I had woken up later and moved on with life. I was sitting down talking to my husband in my house and then I finally paid attention to my surroundings and the furniture were a little different in the room. I question, why is my furniture different? Then it hit me. I am sleeping and I am astral traveling. As soon as I had this realization, which is not the first time this has happened to me, I jumped 
and start walking around this house, which by the way, was huge. And it looked like it was from the future. And asking questions to my husband, what year was that? He answered me that it was 1948, which really confused me because our 1948 did not look like that at all. I was stunned by the beauty of this house with its furniture. Then I saw my family in this house. I look at my son, Luke, and he looked just a little bit different. And I told him, Luke, it's you. My son, Luke, is 16 here, but there he appeared around 25. And then I saw my other son and two teenage, two teenage daughters. I do not have daughters here. My husband looked different. He was a little bald on the top, thinning hair, and around 65 years old. He's 50 here. I kept telling myself, I have to remember all of these when I come back. I have to pay attention to the details carefully so I can remember. Then I asked my husband, what country do we live in? He said, we don't live in a country. We live on STTE space station. That blew my mind since I had no idea what he was talking about. And I asked him details and he explained to me things that my recollection is foggy, but that basically him and I worked for this space station and we lived there as well. I asked for how long we worked there and how long we were married and a bunch of other things as I walked into this house. I saw this enclosed swimming pool in the middle of the courtyard of the house. It was sort of like a square house with a courtyard in the middle with the enclosed swimming pool in the middle. And the four internal walls of the house were glass walls to allow the view of the swimming pool and quite spectacular. I remember as I enter the various rooms in these houses, it kept blowing my mind how cool and beautiful this house was. Then I remembered talking to my family and asking my son Luke questions about this nice house and Luke telling me that both my husband and I were pretty big shots and the government company that we work for gave us the house to live there. And I could tell my husband was a scientist of some kind. Then we and my family went to eat out and we left the house and the most amazing view almost blew my mind. As I walked out and stood in front of the house, I looked at the sky and there it was, the planet Earth. You know, like you look outside to the sky and you see the moon, except that I was looking at Earth right above us and the part of the Earth that I was looking at was the Iberian Peninsula and Italy. I knew I had bothered my husband with a lot of questions, so I decided to back behind the kids were walking behind and asking my son Luke questions. I asked Luke, this is Earth up there? He said, yeah, awesome view, huh? Asked Luke, what is STTE? He said, it's Interplanetary Space Station Satellite. His words are foggy. I may not be putting the words correctly. It could have been SSST or something like that. His, my next memory was of us coming back from dinner to the house. And as I was entering the house again, I kept thinking, oh, Lord, how will I get back to my body? But I will figure it out. I remember entering the house and feeling the sensation of floating and movement. And I opened my eyes back here and, of course, woke up and my husband and told him. And, of course, he does not believe it. And it was 4.15 a.m. Um. I don't want to make this email too long. I'm just glad I can talk to you. You have so many amazing experiences and just reading your book blows my mind every time. So my experience is not much, but I was amazed with the future sci-fi type of experience I had since I don't even watch fiction movies. I like the 1800 category films more honestly. I have noticed that I keep having these experiences and the same pattern occurs that I'm with my family living in a different place. A long time ago, I watched a movie called Dead Again. It was an excellent movie about reincarnation. In the movie, Robin Williams was an actor playing a hypnotherapist who did a past life regression and discovered that the husband had come back as the wife and the wife as the husband in a new incarnation and he introduced the concept of a soul group. Can you expand on the soul group concept as you have seen in your out-of-body travels? 
I asked because I also had a previous experience that I was with my family and kids, and one of my kids was my brother, but yet he was my son there. But the moment that I saw him, I knew he was my brother here on earth. Last, I am sure I made many mistakes writing this email because I am writing fast. I have to take my son to his hockey game. Um, and always thank you for your work. So a couple of things to cover here. So soul groups, let's talk about that. Um, soul groups, simple, simple concept. You know, we, we travel with the same group of souls oftentimes from lifetime to lifetime. Now, what's interesting with this is that we can have more than one soul group. So we can have like different blocks of lifetimes where we travel with one soul group for certain blocks of lifetimes and we travel with a different soul group for different blocks of lifetimes. So that can also happen. But generally like relating to your current life, you're gonna have a soul group that you relate to that you've traveled with in different incarnations. And so um, this person is talking about how uh, she's having these experiences with the same pattern, living with this family in a different time in a different place. So what is that telling her? It's letting her know that these are the souls uh, that she's traveled with a lot. She has a strong tie to these souls, these people. And of course, you can have your brother be your son or your son be your brother in different art, uh, you know, different types of existences that absolutely happens and welcome to Nutterment. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, so this does happen all the time. Uh, it also happens that, you know, you'll have uh, someone who might be a close family friend who becomes a child of yours. Um, I've heard of situations where there's a tragic death and then that person reincarnates with a close friend. Uh, as their child, you know, so that kind of thing happens, you know, so there are all of these types of things that occur to, uh, to bring these soul groups into different configurations. So you can have someone who's your father in many lifetimes become your husband in another lifetime. Um, Adriana says, um, I am not sure if I am lucid dreaming or astral travel. It's confusing. I remember as a dream, but I feel the vibration before the dream. So um, if you're not sure, then you're lucid dreaming. If you're having an out-of-body experience, you're going to be very sure that you're having an out-of-body experience. But the fact that you're having the vibrations and remembering that before the dream is, in, is indicative that you are progressing the towards the experience of getting more and more conscious. And remember, the difference is simply levels of consciousness between uh, the lucid and then the astral travel state and then going into other levels of mystical travel. It's levels of consciousness. So it, it feels Adriana says it feels very real and it does feel very real. And um, and it is very real because you are in these other mystical realities, if that makes sense. Um, and so you are traveling through these parallel realities. Part of the reason this, uh, this is happening is to make uh, a person aware that all these different overlaps are relevant to the current time configuration. Um, but you don't, uh, Adriana says, but I don't see my body on the bed. You don't have to see your body on the bed. In fact, I don't think that for the most part, uh, a lot of us will see our body on the bed much, much more after the first few experiences because it becomes unnecessary. So it's not really, that's not important whether or not you see your body on the bed. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Um, Phantom Detectives. Hi, Marilyn. How are you? This is Joshua. Welcome, Joshua. Very nice to see you. So even with this, um, an interesting twist on the, um, 
uh, interesting twist on the um, uh, this uh, you know this uh, date dating time here, and I think that what you're being shown is how you have these different. Um, uh, you're being shown that you and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to you, Joshua. Just give me a sec. Um, so you're, you're being shown that you have these different realities. And I don't think it matters whether it's 1948 AD or whatever this time period that you were given is not relevant. What seems to be relevant is that you're being shown this other reality where you live on a space station, your family is on this space station. It's You're seeing that you have the same husband, the same sons, and you have these other daughters that you don't have currently. You're being shown that you are involved in something else and your big shots there in this other reality, this other life that you're living there. Um, you're being shown something that, um, and you know, I wonder if you were given this 1948 dating just to let you know perhaps that this is not as far into the future as you might actually think, you know? Um, that's what I immediately thought when I read it, that this is not as far into the future as you would think, um, but I don't think 1948 necessarily has to be a literal rendering. There's some other meaning to that that we don't know. And so you're being shown here that your relationship to this husband that you have and this son and these people, your brother and your other son and whoever these daughters are is very solid and important across all your parallel realities and all these lifetimes. And that there's this importance that supervades all of it. And so, uh, you're touching into this other reality where you're on this space station and you're seeing that there is other significances that you don't didn't know about, but now you do. I don't know if that's helpful. Um, Adriana says like a scientist, I'm not that smart at all, <laughs> but see what you're being shown though, is that this is one manifestation of you here. Whereas in this manifestation, you are a scientist. This person is a scientist. And so, you know, we have all these different aspects of ourselves manifesting in many different ways across the spectrum of the quantum world. And so you're being shown, you are not just this, you are not just that. You are many, many, many things. And that's what you are being shown and being shown that these relationships are so important and that they cross paths between time and between parallels. And so that helps you to see that these relationships are much more significant than you may have been maybe even, I don't know, would have given them had you not seen these things and known this. Now you see it and you're like, wow, these are significant relationships. Um, Adriana says, my niece was born on my birthday, March 31st here. I think it could have been her. I feel she's connected to me. Well, she could be. She could be. And that's partly what's being demonstrated to you that all of these people surround you and that there's all of this significance to it that is much bigger than what um than what might be just right before your eyes here and that's what you want to see and so that's real important and that's what soul groups are all about and um and so you just want to take it all in and recognize that there's so much more to it. Stark Ether says, I can also speak for having been shown parallel lives. That's that's interesting. Yes, and so many of us have been shown that. And that's, um, 
the purpose of it is for us to recognize that what you see in this moment is not all there is to see or know about an individual soul or even an individual soul group. And that you can actually glean from these other aspects of yourself here. And I think that's what's partly happening for you in these experiences that are Um, so let's, let's go over here to this question. Joshua, have you heard from Heather Wade since she disappeared, Marilyn? No, I have not. And I did not know that she had disappeared. So I would very much like to know what's going on there. Um, so if you want to share that here, or if you want to share that with me privately in an email, whatever works, I would like to know what's going on there. Um, uh, and you want me to tell Art Bell's son, Vincent Pointis, hello for you, Marilyn. He lives an hour from me. I would love that. I would love that. Um, that would be great. Stark Ether says, and this isn't it. Yeah, this isn't all of it. I, exactly. Amen. Uh, uh, Stark Ether says. And so Nuttermunt, um, says, I like to try laying a bed on top of myself to simulate God's giant foot. It's trying laying a bed to, okay, I like to worship her this way. Okay, well, that's different. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's safe. I don't think I would recommend that to anybody. Uh, it's a little bit iffy. Um, but again, we can talk about that more in our emails. So anyway, we can move on to the next question. Uh, Joshua, you got me curious now. I don't know why I didn't hear about this with Heather. Very curious about what's happened and what's going on there. If you want to, uh, tell me more about that here, I'm interested if you want to tell me more about it, um, and an email, that'd be great too. And Nutterman said, yeah, let's talk in private. That sounds great. So um, here's another one, a little uh, thing I'd like to share. Um, <clears throat> all right, this is from Beth. All right, dear Marilyn, I hope this message finds you well. Um, all right, so... Joshua, Phantom Detective, says, Heather's best friend, Lasha, calling her several times in April 2021 to no avail. Heather disappeared after March 2021. Not sure if she's okay. Wow. Well, that would be why I haven't heard from her show. Um, that's a long time for her to not be heard from. Um, so I'm curious, Joshua, since, you know, you're your uh, login here is Phantom Detectives LLC. Are you uh, searching for her at, uh, as the, you know, have you been hired as a detective on this or what's going on with it? And um, is Art Bell's son involved in trying to locate her? That's very bizarre. <laughs> Is there uh, anyone who has actually gone to the house to make sure, uh, you know, I'm sure someone has gone to the house, right? It's been a year and a half. Um, well, let me know what's going on there. I'll go ahead and start with this one here. I hope this message finds you well. I also... Uh, I found you via Coast to Coast. I'm a late night board operator at a news radio station in Seattle. Um, and my job is to make sure the radio stations keep playing during the nighttime hours on the weekends. K-I-R-O-F-M is the radio station that I work for. And every weeknight during my shift, Coast to Coast plays. And I'm just going to say, I used to do that too. So I appreciate that. Now, I should give you a little bit of background before I start my story of my spiritual midlife crisis that I have been recently and currently experiencing. Um, Phantom Detective says I'm the owner 
of Arts Affiliate Directors News Service, Dark Matter News. Okay, okay. I'm familiar with that. Um, yeah, I'm concerned. So, yeah, I'd like to just, uh, I'd like to talk more about that. So, uh, let me do this question and then maybe we can talk more about this uh, with Heather. So, feel free to share whatever you want to share on that. And we'll talk about that after we do this last question that I have for this. About a year and a half, oh, I'm 31 years old, college graduate student who studied and works in radio broadcasting, um, but I'm also a highly spiritually gifted individual, or so I have come to discover over the years. <coughs> My strong suit is astrology, which I've been studying for about 15 years, dabbled professionally in the study, reading charts, weddings and stuff, but I don't have a spiritual business or anything. It's just something I do. Um, blah, blah, blah. About a year and a half ago, my birth mother, who I was always very, very close to, finally lost her eight-year-long battle to metastatic breast cancer. She unfortunately had a very rare and invasive type of breast cancer called inflammatory breast cancer that ended up going metastatic in her body, turning her earthly vessel into a war zone, as she called it. She had been steadily declining, but in March 2021, I lost her and on that sad and terrible day. Right before she died, I asked her if she could promise me that she would come and visit me in her afterlife. But in that exact moment, I then had the immediate and fretful realization that even as spiritual as I had developed myself to be at that time, through the many years of research and effort, I came to the sinking and profound conclusion in that moment that I actually knew nothing about the afterlife or how it works and how it's structured. By that point in my life, in March of 2021, the only person close to me who had ever died was a very close friend. And when I experimented in trying to reach out to her after she had passed on, I felt nothing. I couldn't see her presence or her energies. I received no psychic anything from her, no dreams, no apparitions, no psychic anything. And we were very good friends. I'd try and make sure to visit her in her afterlife if, if I was universal lawfully able to. I thought she would have done the same for me, but nothing in the aftermath of her passing, just memories. Was there even an afterlife? That experience did not provide much knowledge or insight for me. So when my own mother, the person who I'm most connected to in this whole universe, due to her physically giving birth to me and parentally raising me, was approaching her own death, I wasn't sure what would come of it in the aftermath. This awful feeling truly made me realize that I had next to no knowledge at all about the true nature or structure or truth of the afterlife. And it started to drive me insane, not knowing where she went off to, if she still loved me or could love me, if she was immediately re reincarnated or what. Um, but then, and this is where the beginning of my spiritual midlife crisis kicks in. I started to hear her. Um, I've had a few clairaudient experiences before, not many, but a few. And I would say that out of the various clairaudiences that exist, by far my strongest one. I true, uh, okay. Uh, anyway, I started to hear my beloved late mother clairaudiently. In these sonic visions, she was typically almost always very sad, crying, expressing apologies in regards to her parenting towards me or the decisions she had made in her prior life on earth that she now regretted. She to me that she was stuck, stuck in a place or seemingly a dimension of sorts that she was scared of. And she told me she really did not feel comfortable wherever she was and wanted out ASAP. She told me that it's completely dark where she is and she suffers alone there all the time, focusing on her past mistakes and major life regrets. She doesn't like being a spirit of sorts and she doesn't know where she is, but she is somehow able to communicate with me and me alone. I don't quite understand that part fully. I seem to hear her in bits and pieces a lot of the time and often when I'm able to tune in even completely, I seem to miss some parts of what she's saying to me or herself, so I don't have all of the answers. <clears throat> Sometimes she seems to come through clearer than other times and truer than other times. I have come to the conclusion that with the consistency of this spiritual occurrence in my life after she has passed and the worry and sorrow it brings me in my mental health, 
that I sometimes subconsciously try to hear her and fill in the blanks for what she says, possibly with my imagination. Maybe she's not actually truly there. I'm not really sure. But other times have most definitely seen her. So I feel the deepest part of my bones, soul, and intuition. But here's the kicker. What if I'm wrong? I'm honestly not even 100% sure that this is even my mother. But she keeps coming back. She's so upset and sorrowful each and every time it happens. And it has started happening more and more and more. The night that I heard you speak on Coast to Coast about two to three months ago or so, you pretty much nailed the issue that I've been experiencing when you spoke about the true possibility of spirits getting stuck between dimensions. I believe that you also said something along the lines of, for some people, it's their spiritual karmic duty to go and save certain stuck souls from their misfortune of getting lost in the wrong dimensions on their way to heaven or purgatory. Not a verbatim quote, but you said something of that nature and my heart completely sunk inside my chest when I heard that. I almost could feel my heart and the soles of my feet. I think I had a panic attack right afterwards. Although extremely knowledgeable, insightful, and helpful information that hurt me and scared me a great amount. I am so scared I'm not knowledgeable enough yet in the metaphysical universe or mentally prepared enough to do this. I know I can project a remote view or something like that. I've done it before. Um, and it's so unbelievably terrifying to me that every time I've been able to do it, I have to consciously pull myself out of it because it actually feels like flying or being front and center at an IMAX film, which has always been terrifying to me and my spiritual physical stomach can, can't take it. I know that you're the person to go to for this about this spiritual problem because I've never even heard any other mystic bring up such a thing. And it's been a huge issue that I've been experiencing ever since my mom died and I'm terrified, but I want and I need to save her from this dark place that she talks about. Or if it's another entity mimicking her, I want to help this entity get out of the dark place that it is in so that it finally gets off my back and leaves me alone for good. <clears throat> I don't know where to start in successfully solving this issue. So far, I've spent over $800 on psychic mediums, astrologers who are smarter than I am, and shamanistic sages to help me to solve this spiritual problem. But every single one of the mystics, psychics, sages, shamans, astrologers, mediums whom I have employed have told me wildly different things about my mother in her afterlife that highly contrast with the sonic visions I have been experiencing, as well as contrast from what the other spiritual gurus have previously told me. I'm highly empathic and I can feel her hurting. Um, I can tell that she is suffering and they all tell me that she is in heaven and she is happy and she's got this glowing aura about her or that she's living out her infancy somewhere in a baby's body after her reincarnation. Nobody feels or sees what I feel and see so far. And not only that, but all of these mystics and psychics aren't even saying the same thing as the other mystics and psychics I have employed. I spent so much time and money on this situation that I almost gave up for a long period. I feel terrible about how long I've waited to contact you. If she really is suffering, I have prolonged that suffering due to my own intuition, insecurities, and self-doubt and fear, as well as some days wanting desperately to hide, live under a rock, and pretend none of this is happening to me or to her. So that's it. That's my story. Um, she was such a good, amazing, beautiful soul, and she doesn't deserve this darkness. I look forward to your response more than you could possibly know. Anything that you might have to say in response to me regarding this unique and frustrating matter will be more than greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so I'm just kind of summarizing as we move on here. And um, Stark Ether says, wow, may God bless this person. And we will answer these other things as we move through this one here. And so let's move through the process here that we went through with this wonderful soul, Beth. Um, and so uh, so Beth sent me this, and I began to pray for her. And so I responded to her a few days later and said, I did make contact last night with your mother. I don't have anything to report because it was just that I found her. 
I intend to continue praying and hopefully make further contact. I'm praying for her and I'm hopeful that perhaps I will be given permission to understand her condition, where she is and what might be going on and how we can best helpful, help her. So thank you for your patience with this. Many blessings, Marilyn. <clears throat> and Beth replied by saying, wow, thank you so much. You know, you have no idea how groundbreaking that is. Can you tell me if she is in a dark, cold place alone, like I've been hearing, or if she looked different from that to you? That would be extremely helpful to know. Um, she offers to send a photo um, and then uh, gives me her name, which we're gonna keep private. And I did tell her a photo would be really helpful actually. Um, I don't feel like I should say anything more yet. However, I need to confirm more information before I say anything. I'm so sorry. I know how important this is to you, but that is why I'm taking it so seriously. I need to know more before I say anything. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. If you could pray and do your best not to worry, that would really help me with this process. I know that's a tough thing not, uh, to ask, but pray me to her. Pray me to her. Help me to reach her. Thanks for her name. That is very helpful. What I'm trying to do is find out what her situation is, why she is in whatever situation that might be, what kind of help I may be able to offer her, and what kind of help she needs from you. There's more for me to find out, details, but this gives you a framework from which to pray. Is there anything you know about her life? which would warrant her being in the state that you described, either in raising you or in her life before or after motherhood that you know of, or as far as you know, is there nothing in her life which would warrant such a condition? You said she was such a good, amazing, beautiful soul, and she doesn't deserve this darkness. And I believe what you've said. So I'm also wondering if there is any reason of which you are aware that would warrant this sort of condition. I'll handle the alternatives, so don't worry about those. But that information would be very helpful to me. And so this is where, this is where the, the situation takes an unexpected turn. Okay? So Beth responds. I apologize for my slightly delayed response. I've been sick in bed with a terrible cold, sneezing, cough, chills, fever, the whole thing. Had to call to work last night. Probably will have to do the same tonight. Really don't feel very well. I just want to point out, this is actually a normal response to what we are about to embark upon and what she's about to reveal to me. The getting sick, it's actually really normal because we're processing through some intense stuff, right? And on top of all that, I must admit that you asked a question that really hurts me because it means I now have to admit something that I've tried my best to hide and guard secret, but I believe it might be necessary for you to know and for us to move forward with this situation. This might very well be my fault. I may have caused this pain upon my mother completely by accident it's something that I really don't like to talk or think about. But I need to own up to it if I want to get her out of here. Where to start with this? I really struggled with my career. As an adult, I went to college, graduated, not seeing much success in my life after that, someone that I used to know suggested to me that I start learning about the dark arts and geisha because it really helped them with their career. So stupidly and blindly after being in Catholic schools for literally 18 years of my life, I thought I would attempt to summon some demons just to say hi and familiarize myself with their energy. The first summoning went well. The second may have ruined my life as well as my mother's. At this point, my mom's cancer was getting really bad. She was due to have a surgery soon, and at the time, she swore to me that she would be fine, but this is what killed her. Fortunately, I believe that my interaction with the demon 
had a helping hand. The day I summoned the demon, when it showed up, it clearly did not like me, and I could feel that right away. It was the most terrorizing and most bizarre interaction I had ever had. Somehow it forced me to ask for my greatest fear to happen. In my head, I then heard the words, please kill my mother. And then after I said those words in my mind, it was like everything snapped back. I screamed the word no over and over and over again. I realized what was going on. I blew out the offering candle and took it to the dumpster as fast as my two legs could be carrying me. A week later, I got the news that the surgery was not going well and that I needed to fly back. My mother was on her deathbed. I feel that I had a spiritual hand in this and it kills me inside to think about it. Since that moment, I have not ever played with the shadows ever again. I don't ever plan to ever again. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't protect myself and I really may have fucked up. Some days I think it was entirely my fault. Other days I think that lighting a candle and saying some stupid words in my head, not even out loud, couldn't have possibly done anything. And I'm just an idiot and it had to be the cancer. I don't know. All I know is I feel terrible about it. I think I'm a good person, but I really screwed up that one time. I don't know how to make things right or what to do about it. Another thing that could have brought her there, I'm not sure of this, but it is thought by my father that she was she was cheating on him for years with her future husband who used to be his best friend for years before the divorce. I don't know how true that is, but I've always kind of felt that might be true. This email is really hard to write. I feel terrible about what I may have possibly done to hurt her and I don't like to talk about it. It's a giant mistake and an accident. I hope you don't hate me or think of me as a terrible person, but if you do, I guess I deserve it. I feel terrible. Stark Ether says, I can't imagine how hard it is to write this for that person. Yeah. How brave and courageous this was, this, this whole process, right? So after this, I had a very lengthy response. And, you know, the, the lengthy response was that, You know, begins with, you know, thank you for your courage and sharing this. And I want to assure you, I think nothing less of you or your mother. The information is very helpful. It explains a lot in what I was shown. So I saw your mother. She was sad, but there were no tears, just sad. She was looking down towards the left. Then Jesus appeared in her stead. He was deeply sad. He was also looking down and towards the left but there were tears just streaming down his face. I wondered immediately why they were both looking towards the left, because this usually refers to the left-hand path, the path of the occult or Satanism. But now I understand. I don't believe you were the cause of your mother's death. I believe cancer caused her death. But at the same time, what you were doing is a serious thing and you need to be purified of it. But the other situation you mentioned also makes sense. I felt that part of Christ's sorrow seemed that your mother was not entering through the door of Christ's mercy because she did not feel worthy of it. It was not that she was not invited, but that she didn't feel worthy. She would not go. And I was trying to understand and that you spoke of how loving she was, and it felt that there had to be something else that she was holding on to. This could be it. And I emphasize could because I'm not convinced that she did have that affair before the divorce. What I'm sensing is that she may have had feelings for an extended period of time for which she felt profoundly guilty. Of course, it's possible there was more, but we don't know and we may never know and we don't need to know. The sense I got in my encounter with Christ was that she was holding herself guilty for something she was not necessarily guilty. Christ was tearful that she would not come. And this makes me wonder if it was more of an emotional thing rather than something that actually happened in that way. I also believe the tears and her sadness were in reference to the left-hand path. And so we enter with the plan. And just for the point of making this a little shorter, we'll go to the plan, which is I wanted her to offer a series of Gregorian masses, which is specifically the 30-day masses given by a priest 
that our Gregorian masses for her mother, her mother's soul to cross over. And then um, having Beth return to mass herself and confession and to go to confession and to return to the, to the church with confession and going to daily mass and offering her masses for her mother and her mother's soul to make this crossing. Remember, you are forgiven after you've gone to confession and done your penance. Accept Christ's mercy and pray for your mother to do the same. If for any reason you offer more than your mother needs or that you need, the graces will go to other souls in need of some grace. And that's always a good thing. The privilege of the forgiven is also to forgive, right? Um, this is a time of mercy for both of you. And so then I also suggested that she learn the chaplet of the divine mercy to um, also start praying that chaplet for herself and for her mother and that she's going to read the diary of St. Faustina to learn more about divine mercy and realize that, yes, she can be cleansed of this, this indiscretion in her life and that she can go forward. And, um, and so I gave her some, a lot of links and a lot of stuff that she can do. And then she responds with, uh, she, she said, um, she responded with saying, you know, she, she couldn't afford the Gregorian masses. So I sent her some links to where, how we could all offer these things without, you know, expenses and that we could find ways to offer masses that wouldn't cost money. And she could offer her masses. And we got the prayer warriors on board on this. And, um, and I said, it's all, it's all absolutely okay to wait until you can afford it. And in fact, we'll work on some alternatives to your problem. And you can also, when you're well again, plan to go to mass as you are able weekly or more if you can and offer each mass as after you receive communion for your mom, which you can do after you receive confession and um, for your mother's soul. And many churches do offer daily masses, so you can do that as well. One of the nice things is that while you are learning the chaplet, you can also play the chaplet of Divine Mercy on YouTube, which I sent her all these wonderful little links that she could start doing the masses, the chaplets and stuff while she's learning these things. So I'm kind of losing track of where, where am I? Here we are. And she says, I'm, I'm in awe of what you sent me, and I'm not quite sure how to respond. Um, uh, I'm so glad you find me courageous for sharing my difficult story. I do want to fix these issues with my mom and God, and I'm so unbelievably pleased that you have ways for me to do that. Do you believe that she will go with Jesus once all of this is completed? I just want her to be in a better place. Would you say that she is in a purgatory? No need to worry about me, however. I am doing okay. Here are the photos that I promised. And then I sent her uh, we set up a bunch of things for her mother and with, with our prayer warriors to get people offering masses and prayers and chaplets of the divine mercy. MT says, Marilyn, two days ago, we were with these souls in purgatory, teaching them how to pray the Holy Rosary. Rosary was everywhere for me to grab. So these souls and give them, give it to them. But one thing it made me very big difference was the one with the blessed by the priest and the one was not. If she can start to pray. Yes, exactly. With the blessed rosary for her mother, I think it will benefit greatly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and then she says, oh, my gosh, you are truly an amazing woman. When I initially reached out to you, I had no idea that you would help me so much. Thank you fully for all that you have done to help me and my mom. I am truly in awe. Um, I saw her last night. She told me that she saw you, and she was explaining how Jesus came to her and how it was, it was all very exciting for her. 
I will need a rosary to perform the chaplet. Yes, I will need to pick up one of these. Um, thank you so much for making this financially possible for me and helping me so much. I will go back to mass. I grew up in Catholic school and we went to mass all the time when I was younger. But if I'm being honest here, I have not gone in years. I will start going for my mom. And I said, hi, jo Jacqueline. I'm so honored by your kind words. I'm so excited your mother shared with you her experience with the Lord. Um, you can use a rosary to perform the chaplet, but if you don't have one, you can use your 10 fingers too, which is, you know, I do that a lot. Pray with my hands. <laughs> um, and so I also realized the next night uh, and just got slammed with energy as I'm writing this, that part of what I think is hoped for is that you will return to mass. I believe this is something your mother wishes for you. It will give her peace to know that you are back on track spiritually and she can move forward into her afterlife knowing you are okay. So it's fantastic that you are going to be doing these things for your mom because apparently it seems important to her and to the Lord that it is you doing them for her and for you rather than an anonymous priest. You see what I mean? It really completes the circle, the sacred hoop, as it is said in Native American spirituality, the cycle of life. She wants her daughter Beth back at mass. And Beth says, um, I find it is definitely my duty as well to have a hand in this, praying for my mom and going to mass. I do feel that it competes the cycle of life. I plan to go this weekend. I feel full of energy as well as a bit nervous. I have not been in so long um, back at work and listening to coast to coast as we speak. And I said, you'll be fine by now. You may have had a chance to get to confession, maybe even mass, or that may be tomorrow. So glad you're getting better. Um, hi, Beth, just checking in to see how your weekend went. I had a vision last night. I saw the, saint, the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics all praying on a holy mountain facing the right. A huge light was blaring in on them. The whole realm was filled with light. Your mother was no longer there. We are all offering our All Souls Day Masses for her today. I was wondering if you were able to go to confession and Mass and how it went. I'm hopeful you got a good priest who is compassionate to you. Thank you so much for checking in on me. I went to mass last weekend and I'm starting the chaplet today. I have not yet been to confession. I'm still trying to figure out what to say. I loved your vision. I am also going to an all souls mass tomorrow and offering it for my mother. Okay. And here we have our final thing, right? I just went to reconciliation for the first time in 18 years. I honestly went in there thinking I would be excommunicated, but the priest was very understanding and compassionate. Thank you for pushing me to go through with this. I'm not sure if I would have done so otherwise. And she puts in a quote from a song that she likes. It says, look, Ma, the sun is shining on me. Could you believe in heaven if heaven was all that we had? So... Let's chalk that one up for God. God is good, right, guys? There we have it. There we have it. So let's get back to everything here. Um, MT says, with the blessed rosary for her mother, I think it will benefit greatly. I agree. I agree. And MT says, I will lift my rosary for her beloved mother as well. Thank you so much, MT. And what a, what a courageous and beautiful soul Beth is. And what an amazing story for God. Um, and, you know, when we think of this and we think of Beth, um, what I think it should they make us all think about is she really believed that there was no way back for her. And she didn't realize that, you know, in the divine mercy revelation, and this is what a lot of what I shared with her to St. Faustina, Jesus said the greatest attribute of God is his mercy. And I want you to share with souls that the greatest attribute 
of mine is my mercy. I am, I am literally clamoring to flood out mercy upon souls. And that is what I'm hoping that those who are out there who feel like there's no way back or who are waiting, you know, here's this young woman waited 18 years um, because she thought there was no way back. Um, how many of those are out there who think that it's, it's so hard for them to come back when it's really, really simple, right? Stark Ether has all the praying hands. I love that. Thank you, Stark Ether. Um, it's really that simple. You come back. That's all. You come back. Christ is just waiting. And, you know, we think of her mother um, feeling that she can't accept that mercy and just enter into the door of Christ's mercy. And she's suffering and tormenting herself in this realm after life. I just want us to remember how important it is to invite everyone, invite everyone always, just always invite everyone. I think we have St. Neo, welcome St. Neo. Personal question, how in the afterlife does one individual deal with debts of any kind that he did for other people in this life? Well, what we do is for those things that we can make amends, we make amends. For those things that we cannot make amends, you know, we, we make apologies. For those things that we can't make apologies, we pray and we ask for forgiveness and we do better, right? Um, we can't always undo or fix the things that we've done, but we can do differently from now forward. Um, as long as we have this, you know, the situation where we can apologize to somebody, we can apologize. As long as we have a situation where we can actually make the amends and change it, um, undo the damage, we can do that. If those alternatives are not um, available to us, then we Absolutely. St. Neo says, so forgiveness is a solution for debts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Forgiveness is really, in the end, the only solution for debts. <laughs> because all of us are debtors, right? Every one of us. And we continue to contract debts, sometimes unknowingly, right? We don't really always know Um when we contract them, you know, we find out later uh, where we have uh, maybe contracted debts with unknowingly. St. Neo says, but forgiveness, the forgiveness is to God or to the person we have debts to. Well, I mean, we have a simple answer in the gospels where Jesus says, when you are at the altar and you have your sacrifice at the altar and you realize that your brother has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go uh, and go make amends with your brother and before you come back to the altar. And so we we want to have wherever possible, we want to we want to have the atonement between us and the other people in our lives where we have need of making amendment, where we have made mistakes, where we can, we want to do that. Yes, because um, that is literally how we make amendment to God by making amendment to those we have wronged first. And then we can make amendment and atonement to God after we have made that amendment to those that we have directly harmed. So it's both, but it starts with the person we have directly harmed. 
Does that make sense, St. Neil? Let me know if that makes sense. St. Neil, hello, says long time no see. I guess it has been long time no see, but it's good to see you again. Let me see um, if I have missed any other questions here. I know that there, <clears throat> Phantom Detective Joshua, I'm not sure I've been really worried about her. Tim Osman and current Dark Matter Digital Network owner Mark Marshalek are trying to bring the network back, but we can't do it without Heather. Okay, so well, I'm assuming then that maybe her network was running on uh, dark matter. I didn't know that for sure. So um, I'm really surprised that she would just disappear. I'm very surprised that Heather has just disappeared. Um, um I'm kind of confused if she's just disappeared. Why wouldn't we be worried about her? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I'm not sure what to say to that, just because um, I'm worried uh, hearing this. Um, so, uh, yeah, feel free to email me. I would love to communicate with you about this uh, and see if we can... Uh, find out, uh, communicate a little bit more about what's going on and what's been done and who knows what. And um, But I would be worried about it. I don't see any reason why she would just go off the radar and disappear unless something's wrong. Uh, it doesn't make sense um, to me. Uh, so that's concerning to me. Anyway, um, so... Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Um, well, of course I remember you, St. Neo. He says, thank you for your answers. I'm surprised you remembered me. Of course I remember you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember you for sure. Um, hoping I'm going to hear from a few of you that we've talked about um, via email. I want to hear from you, Phantom Detectives. Joshua, I hope I hear from you via email. Marilyn Hughes at outofbodytravel.org. Um, that's Marilyn with two N's. Nutterment, you said you were going to contact me. And um, Stark Ether, we were also going to uh, correspond a bit here. And anyone else that wants to, send me an email if you've got something you want to talk about. Um, and if I forgot any here, um, and if I may, let's put out uh, a prayer request here for Heather Wade, uh, concerned, feeling concerned here um, that she is not uh, accounted for. Um, Andrew says, thank you for giving so much of your time and wisdom today. Many blessings. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here the whole time. Appreciate it. <laughs> Um, I am very concerned about Heather. I'd like to put out uh, oh, blood and water which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus is a fount of mercy for us. I trust in you, uh, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. I would like to know that she's all right. Um, I think, Joshua, if you're still with us, I think that if she decided to go off the radar for the radio thing, that's one thing. But if she's completely missing to her friends as well, that indicates something to be concerned about. Um, if she doesn't, you know, if she doesn't want to do the radio thing, that's one thing. And if she wants to be off the radar for that, I wouldn't be as concerned if it's just that. But if she is literally missing and her family and friends do not know where she is, that is a reason for concern. I don't see why she would do that. So please contact me. Please contact me. So um, yeah, Andrew says they should contact local law enforcement immediately. I'm a, you know, maybe they already have, I don't know, but um, they should if they have not. 
um, I'm, I'm imagining um, Joshua that uh, Art Bell's son would know about this. And if he's an hour away, I would imagine he lives near the house because uh, she lives in Art Bell's former, former house. That's where she was living. So somebody should have been at the house by now. Um, um, so St. Neo asks, did you do any trips in your lifetime to religious places like Fatima from Europe or Medjugorje? I've never been overseas, but I have been to a little place called Chamayo in New Mexico, which is a place of religious pilgrimage, Colorado, and to some monasteries here and there that are out here near the Southwest. Recently, I went to the monastery that Mother Angelica founded out here called Our Lady of Solitude that's out in the desert here in Arizona. So I've gone to a few of those places, but I don't travel a lot. Got a lot of uh, medical impediments to traveling. So I have gone to little things like that uh, that are not far from where I am. Uh, there's this cute little Carmelite monastery in Creston, Colorado, which was near where I used to live. I've been there a few times. I liked that, went there. Yeah, St. Neo says you travel out of body, so that covers it. That's true. I've been to a lot of those places actually out of body. I did go to um, Fatima, Medjugorje, uh, Lourdes, those places. I actually was taken to all the sites of the Marian apparitions one night in the out-of-body travel state um, in just one night. It was really cool. So yeah, I have had that happen. Stark Ether says, Marilyn travels first class, OBE, indeed. Aniel says, thank you very much for all you have shared today. Many blessings and love to you. And right back at all of you. Thank you all for joining me. Please keep your prayers up for Heather. I am feeling a lot of concern for that. Um, until next time, please subscribe. Please consider becoming a member, keeps us searchable, keeps us uh, keeping our stuff free uh, to everyone online. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.